Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of What in the Wellness. As always, I love to hear your feedback, suggestions for new topics, questions that you would like answered, maybe even a guest that you would like to have on, or maybe you'd like to be the guest yourself. Either way, I'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to reach me by email or message. Uh, You guys know where to do that. Now, let's get started for today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to What and the Wellness. As always, I am your host, Ansley Knopf, and we are continuing our conversation today with Amy. And she was part of our conversation last week for part A, Amy Getz, and she is the financial advisor with IRC Wealth, and she's an SEC registered investment firm in Atlanta, is what IRC Wealth is. She is a CPA and a CDFA, certified divorce financial analyst. She's also the Money and Finance Chapter Director of the National What Women Want Networking Organization. She's on a mission to educate women about their finances and empower them to set big goals for their financial future. Letting go of limiting beliefs around money and facing the real numbers allows women to quiet the stress loop in their mind and elevate everyone around them. Wealthy women change the world. When she's not working, she loves to travel with her family, connect with friends, or read a good book. Back for part B and some more questions to answer. Amy, welcome back. Thank you so much for coming back for part B for us today. Oh my gosh, I love it. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So we left off on a conversation kind of on getting started and limiting beliefs, scarcity, abundance, and the importance of just starting to face the facts and get the real numbers, the real data, and start a budget. Um, That's kind of where we left off last time. And then we talked about the movement of budget. And then we know the typical tenants, you know, how to get wealthy. We need to spend less. We need to save more. Savings is like one of those weird topics, I feel like, because we understand the process of like writing down what we're spending, um, where money is coming in, where it's going out. But then we go, okay, but what about savings? And how do we even get to that point? Do you do that first? Do that last. Um, and I know a lot of people, and myself included, because of the limiting beliefs I had growing up, savings was one of those you pay all of your bills and then whatever's left, you try to put some into savings. Um, which, <laughs> if you guys can't see her, she made a face like, ooh, I've heard this before. It's not, that's a very cart before horse situation there. Um, so let's, let's start there. Let's pick up with what is savings? How's it supposed to work? Is there a best way to do it? Like how, how do you start even, how do you even start savings? I guess is the whole point of that question, because I still feel like there's so much more I have to learn about that. I love it. I love this topic. I love that we're talking about this and I'll start sort of from the basic level, which is for folks that feel like they don't have enough to save. Mm -hmm. And what I want to say to that is you have to start somewhere, even if it's small. And when I say $5, I'm not kidding. Maybe it's 20, maybe it's 50. But what happens when you decide to prioritize savings, even if it's a small amount, is you start to prioritize yourself. You start to prioritize your future. And I think it's important that we recognize that yes, we do have, we do need to spend on rent and utilities and food and all the things but you have to make the priority of starting to put something away because it's like flexing a muscle. Like it just gets stronger over time. And so I think 
starting somewhere is important. And you can just attach a savings account to your bank and usually you can get them free with a very minimum balance. From there, I want people to always have an emergency fund. So that's what you're trying to build. And that $20 becomes $200 and that 200 becomes 400. And that really starts to feel good. The other thing that I wanna encourage folks to do is when $20 or 25 or whatever your number is no longer feels like a stretch or uncomfortable, then you need to increase it. Mm. You always need to feel like it gives you just a little bit of a, a shoulder shrug, a little, a little mm. squeeze when you're saving because you, you have to push yourself because it's so fun to spend. We all recognize that. And so that comes to paying yourself first. The secret to becoming wealthy is truly your mindset. But if I have to say like a tactical solution to becoming wealthy, it is automating your savings and paying yourself first. So step one would be if you're at a company and there's a 401k, always start there. The 401k is my very favorite place for people to save. In fact, I don't manage people's money if they're not actually maxing out their 401k for several reasons. It's pre-tax. It's literally going to save you money on your annual income taxes because it reduces your taxable income. So not only are you saving money on taxes, you're actually using that tax savings to fund a portion of your retirement. That should make everyone excited. It is never hit your checkbook. So that money is never at your disposal to spend. It's in small increments over time, over paycheck. There's typically an employer match and there's very few places where there's a quote free lunch, but the employer match is actually one of them. So at a minimum, I want people investing up to the maximum amount to get the employee match. Mm. And the last reason I love a 401k is dollar cost averaging. You're buying every month into the market. So when it's up, you're buying, but when it's down, you're still buying. So you're actually spreading out your risk because you're buying over time. So the 401k is my favorite place to start, at least up to the employer match. And then I really want people to have a basic emergency fund. Again, it's a lot about languaging. I like to call it an opportunity fund. It sounds a little hokey, but you will be glad when you have the opportunity to pay for something and the money is there. So that's a number that you really have to be energetically aligned with. For some people, it's higher. For some people, it's lower. I think it at least needs to be three-ish months of your basic expenses, mm -hmm. your fixed and basic living, because if something happens, you're going to want the opportunity to pay for your living expenses until you can get back on your feet. So I would encourage folks to get that and then go back and max out your 401k. So get it to the employer match, get an emergency fund going three-ish months, more if you're more conservative, and then go back and start increasing your 401k. And how I encourage folks to do that is even just a percent at a time. Mm -hmm. And then you get comfortable with that number. Your paycheck goes down by a little bit. And then you know what, in two or three months, do it again. Add another percent onto that savings. You'll get comfortable with that number. So once you're able to max that 401k and you've gotten the comfortable emergency fund, then I want people to look at, and I think people stop there. They tend to be like, well, that's enough. But I want people to, again, consider stretching themselves because 
people want to kind of skip the beginning in the middle of the wealth journey, it's not particularly sexy. It's just consistent effort and automating your savings and stretching the amount is what happens over time. And then in 10 years and 15 years, you're going to look back and realize how much money you actually have. And it really wasn't that difficult. And what happens in America is we tend to make more and spend more, make more and spend more. And we start to align our lifestyle with any increases in income. So I would encourage folks to definitely enjoy their life, but also to sort of get a comfortable level of spending and don't necessarily have to increase that every time you receive a raise. Um, and I also think you have to put your blinders on a little bit and not really worry about what other people are doing. And if it's one thing that I've learned in my industry is that the people that maybe look like they are wealthy are oftentimes not at all the wealthy ones. They're the ones that have an outward appearance, but their finances are in shambles. It's really more that millionaire next door, the people that have just sort of lived within their means, had a good life, but they are the ones that are really putting the money aside for their future. Mm. And I think it's important to recognize what you see on social media is just a small, small dabble of people's lives and don't be fooled and don't get into the comparison game. Um, I've kind of gone off on a tangent, but back to it. So your 401k to the company match, your emergency fund, max out your 401k. And then from there, I would encourage folks to have an after-tax brokerage account and automatically, if your paycheck comes in on a Friday, then by Monday, an amount has been automatically transferred to your opportunity emergency fund. An amount is automatically being transferred to a brokerage account. And then if you want to get crazy, I'm always stashing cash away. I even had savings accounts that were for vacations, for holidays, for birthdays. And I would just put $20, $25 in them. But over time, it really adds up. And so you just need to sort of systematically automate your savings and do it so that you're living on the difference. That's how you create wealth. Because when you live on that difference, you don't try and match your lifestyle to your income. Oh, wow. That is super, super powerful because it really shifts the entire, like the funnel is in a different direction for that. Like you start with, Hey, I'm going to invest in my future and myself first. And then I'm going to, like you said, live on the difference. That's very opposite from what I think happens pretty much most of the time, unless you've already come from maybe a family or a background where you've had that as the example. And you're like, Oh no, this is just the way we do it to come from a different place on the other end of the spectrum, saving seems impossible. So it's, again, like I said, for me, growing up where I grew up, a lot of it was, we don't have enough money to even budget, let alone consider savings. So starting from there and coming, it was like, if we could put something away, it was, it was a miracle and it was left at the end. And it was like, oh, this, we have some pence left over. Let us put it into our, you know, our coffers. Um, and so <laughs> it's just shifting from that mindset, but it's so powerful because when you start from that place, like you said, if you can get it, if you can get it automatically shifted away, you don't even really notice that it wasn't there to begin with, which is this super kind of sneaky, tricky way of being like, oh, this is all I have, but it's not really because you've, you've already put it away for the future, which is like a really nice thing to do for yourself because future you is like, hey, 
look what we did for ourselves. Wasn't that nice? <laughs> so, definitely. Um, Absolutely. And you know what? Spending is fun. I get that, right? It is fun. And so when you don't kind of take that money out of your account, we almost energetically align to spend what's left, which is sort of how our brains work. So when you pay yourself first and live on the difference, it just kind of allows you that permission. You know what's in there to spend because you've already taken care of the savings part. The other thing I like to encourage folks to do is not all, I'm not about a crash diet. Like I don't want to tell people, you know, live on beanies and weenies and never spend. I like to encourage folks to look at how can you make 20% more? Because when you increase your income, it's a lot easier to save than it is to continuously cut, 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 because that gets old and frustrating. So really look at ways where you can increase your income. And that is probably a, a more energetically aligned way to be able to save more. Ooh, I like that. Can we, can we dive into that just a little bit more? Because I feel like that's maybe a concept that doesn't occur to a lot of people because we look at it as cutting the fat, not necessarily just increasing the meal. Um, and it's interesting that you mentioned crash diet, because one of the first things I normally have to look at with women is they want to, they want to keep cutting more and keep like work out more, eat less. And that's how they feel like they're going to reach their goals. And oftentimes they're not eating enough to begin with, to provide the energy that they need to do all the things that they need to do. So almost every single time I've had to increase calories to just match their energy input and output um, so that they can have, you know, accomplished multiple goals and all of their value systems, not just their aesthetic goals that they're looking at as this one category. So cutting and cutting and cutting, eventually you reach a point you can't cut anymore. Um, and it actually- Give up detrimental. Yeah. And they, and then they give up. So, um, that's interesting. If you, if you're willing, I'd like to dive into that a little bit more increasing income by a certain percentage more. What are the options for that? Like, what are some ways that you can do that? I think it's interesting. So there's simple things. If you work for a company, it's, you know, you're doing a good job and you're asking for a raise. It's really looking at what else can you do outside of your life that isn't going to take a ton of time. But we live in a great country where people are able to get online, be in their zone of genius, things that they have really mastered and share that gift with people. I think you really, and I, I don't want people to hustle. I don't, I, I'm more of an ease and flow kind of person, but there are a lot of opportunities to step outside of your traditional role, look at other ways to earn money. I don't want people to work around, but I think looking at, okay, what am I doing? Am I, am I, is it the highest and best use of who I am? If I left this job, because I've been here for a long time, I'm only getting cost of living. If that, maybe if I look somewhere else, I'm going to make a significant jump to be matched, better matched in the market. It's really just not being passive about your life and who you are and taking a more active role and looking at how you can improve your financial situation by making more, not always cutting. I feel like that might even, that I feel like that almost comes back to mindset too, as well in a way, right? Because um, always. cutting is a lot easier for people that have a scarcity mindset because we're used to having less. The prospect of putting ourselves out there and asking for more um, feels very overwhelming and scary and possibly even just 
a sense of self-worth involved in that. Like, mm, I don't know if I'm worthy of more, um, particularly for women that are in the workforce in a more corporate setting, asking for a raise can be super intimidating. Um, I know there's a lot of great speakers and books and, and things out on that and how it's kind of, there's a pay gap and people asking for more and trying to do all these things, which is probably honestly a whole podcast in and of itself. Um, Agreed. <laughs> so I think if you haven't listened to part A already, go back and listen to that because she has some really great information and first action steps to take to shift the mindset. Um, but if you're sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, make more, but I don't have the time or energy. It's I love the way you talk about money as simply energy because, and energetically matching, because if you can figure out a way to align with your, with yourself to make more the, it's still work, but it doesn't drain the energy in the same way that other things that maybe provide just that paycheck to paycheck, um, some like seem to do, uh, because it's, you are aligning with something that is connecting you to a deeper purpose and, and meaning. Um, so that's, I just think that's an interesting thing to consider because I'm like, wow, I haven't really ever thought about the fact that you don't always have to cut, you know, you can, you can just, you could just make more. <laughs> um, so I think a lot of people don't think about it like that. And that's where we need to shift our mindset. And there's so many ways. I mean, you're right. There's so many ways that you can do that. I know friends right now that are um, they're both physicians and she started, I mean, I think she would call it a side hustle, but she started something that was very easy to do that she really enjoys and doesn't take too much energy away from her practice. And she's got an additional stream of income now, and it's making a huge difference in how they're able to pay off their student loans for medical school. And it's, she's enjoying it. It's like literally bringing her joy as well as the income. And it's made a huge difference for them. And yeah, I was immediately like, it why would a medical doctor do that? But she's like, but look at like the life that, you know, that I'm wanting to create. And also what I had to do to get to this point, I have these student loans. We want to pay them off early and move on with our lives. And so she just started this and it's just really cool. I love that she was willing to think beyond, Hey, instead of cutting down, what can I do to just make more? So she's a really great example of that. Awesome. Um, so you've mentioned 401k and corporate a lot for somebody like myself, those all sound awesome. Um, but as an entrepreneur and a lot of women are, especially if they are starting something for themselves, maybe empty nesters, those aren't really available options for us. So how do we start our own process of savings and retirement and investments? So actually an individual 401k is absolutely a viable option for all my entrepreneurs. For anyone that receives a 1099, you do not have to just be a corporate W-2 employee to get a 401k opportunity. This is one of my favorite things. I feel like it's like the best kept entrepreneurial secret. I encourage all entrepreneurs to have an LLC simply for the protection. That's an easy opportunity. You do not have to file you know, a separate tax return, but you can, via your LLC, create an individual 401k account and have the exact same limits as anyone working with corporate, which for 2021 is a maximum of 19,500 if you're 49 and under, and 26,000 if you're 50 and over. And people think, oh, I don't have $19,500. Fine, put 1,000 in it put three, put 5,000 in it. You don't have to max it out every year to take advantage of that pre-tax opportunity. 
-hmm. Again, it's the same concept. You're putting it in, you're reducing your taxes and funding a portion of your retirement with the tax savings. So for my entrepreneurs, I absolutely love to share the information that you can go to any of the brokerage houses, create an individual 401k for yourself. And in addition to that, you can put profit sharing on top of it when you're able to max out. And then for my really high income entrepreneurs, you can actually create a personal pension plan. And all of that is major savings for retirement and savings on your taxes. There are infinite possibilities if you are aware of the resources available. That's one of the things that we specialize in at IRC Wealth is working with entrepreneurs and helping them save outside of traditional corporate means. Oh, wow. That is huge. And if you guys are, because I actually did not know that. Um, and I was like excited to hear her talk about it, which is why I was like, hey, that part two, let's really make sure we talk about that because I have questions. <laughs> um, that is such an amazing thing because that's one of the, the big undertakings for entrepreneurs is the tax load that you undertake when you are, you know, a, a small business independently operating as an entrepreneur. And so to have that option to not only save on taxes, but to actually invest in your retirement and your future is massive because there's this big sense of, oh my goodness, I'm an entrepreneur, but what about my future? Um, because you feel like there's, there's no options for you. So there are always I feel like there's always options. You just have to go and figure out what they are or talk to the right people to know what they are. So I love this because this is so many great resources available. Um, is there anything else that you feel like entrepreneurs should know since we're on the topic? Because I feel like my mind just got blown a little bit. <laughs> well, I do. First of all, I know we spoke about budgeting and knowing your numbers, you know, as an individual, but that is even more important as an entrepreneur to really understand where your money's coming in and where it's going. I would also encourage entrepreneurs when they really get going to work with someone on their taxes and really understand everything that they can deduct because the, the government is incentivizing people to create their own businesses and do entrepreneurship. And so there's very legal ways to reduce your taxable income. And so I, I really feel like a lot of times entrepreneurs aren't aware of what's available to them as far as, you know, making sure you're writing off your equipment, making sure that you're writing off maybe a portion of your home, that your office and your expenses and how they're applicable. I also think that entrepreneurs really need to look at their cash flow. A lot of times entrepreneurs focus on that top line. Oh, I had a $10,000 month or I had a $20,000 month. But what really matters, it's not what you make, it's what you keep. You know, one of my taglines is I love to help women entrepreneurs who know how to make a lot of money, learn how to keep it. Because mm -hmm. entrepreneurs have an amazing mindset. They really know how to get in their zone of genius and, and create amazing things. But then I find that they continue to invest back in their company or personal development and start to forget that they actually need to start investing in themselves. So when you know your numbers, when you're aware of what programs and products that you have that have a higher profit margin that make more money, then you can, speaking of increasing your income, when you focus on things that make you more and really pay attention to the things that don't make you as much and shifting the balance in your business, those are all really important steps to take. And of course, all entrepreneurs, if you're even making a dollar on a side hustle, you really need to consider getting an LLC just to protect yourself. 
Um, and that's a pretty easy, easy process and it's not expensive at all. It doesn't require a separate tax return, but it really just puts in place some, some barriers between you and your personal assets. Definitely. And I mean, as you mentioned, like there, there are a lot of perks to having LLC beyond just protection as well. Um, sure. which you can't do as a sole proprietor. So you get, you get some other options available to you as well, which is really nice. Um, and it just looks cool, right? Like, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> Um, so we've talked a lot about scarcity, abundance, budgets, I mean, knowing the numbers, all the things like there's just so much just a wealthy woman, you're a wealth of information, wealth of knowledge, wealth of resources. So thank, thank you me. so much for all of that. Um, kind of want to switch gears just a little bit from, I guess, what we would consider more of like the technical aspects of talking about those things and more of connecting it because you do a lot of work I can tell like talking about energy talking about mindset talking about belief systems um, frameworks and how you really connect people with their their values because we talked a lot about matching the values you want to live your life you want to spend but you want to invest in your future self all of that comes together in what I feel like is almost like a value kind of wheel um, and a lot of people really have trouble connecting all of those pieces together. We feel like everything is separate. Finance is here, health is here, education's here, bills are here, like everything's separate, but it's all very much interconnected. And on the journey for that, for that connection between all the different value systems, we interconnect with a lot of people have a very generous spirit and they want to give, um, but sometimes maybe they give beyond their means or they don't feel like they can give because they don't know their numbers, they don't know their budget. So um, then there's also, I mean, there's a very practical aspect of giving as well, which comes with like charities and tax write-offs and things like that as well. So as we're connecting all the pieces of the value systems together, where does giving and generosity and all of those, those aspects of money, where do those tie in? I love it. I love that we're talking about this. I love to sort of wrap things up with this because, you know, mindset is a secret to becoming wealthy. And then the tactical steps are keeping it simple and automating your savings. But then I think the final piece is really truly living in gratitude, truly living in, again, it goes back to abundance, to being thankful for what it is that you have versus ungrateful for what it is you perceive you don't. Because everything we we need is within us. And that translates out into the world. And when we sit in gratitude for what we have, and when we start to have a mindset of giving, and I know people, people feel like I don't have enough to cover my own resources. So they don't have an opportunity to give. And I would argue that we all have time and we all have some sort of talent. And I think when you are in a space where you are opening yourself up and giving to others, whether that's volunteering your time or you have a specific skill that you can offer to somebody, it's super important to keep that flow of life, of energy going. And I use the analogy often about living your life with your fist closed. If you have your fist closed and you're unwilling to share of your time, your talent, or even your treasure, then you're not open to receiving. And it is a flow. So you have to open your hands. You have to be generous. You have to live in gratitude and want to lift others up around you because that opens you up the, for the opportunity to receive. And so I think 
the ultimate goal is to be able to give to causes near and dear to your heart. But until you can financially give, you can give of your time and who you are. And their studies show specifically women do an amazing job of elevating those around them. They give more, they give to causes that they don't necessarily have a personal connection to, but they feel it. And it's important for women to shift the mindset that money is not a good thing. You're, you're, who you are to your core is who you're going to be, whether you have 50,000 or a million dollars. And I think people assume that money is going to change them. And that's not really the case. If you're a good person, when you have more money, you're just going to do good things with it. And so I want to like literally crash the belief that women shouldn't have more, shouldn't be looking for a profit, shouldn't be looking to become a millionaire because that is how the world changes. When you get money in the hands of women, when women realize their value and their worth, they are going to raise everyone up around them. And that only changes the vibe and allows the world to be a better place. So I want women to really energetically align with having more money and having that be a good thing because I know they're going to do great things with it. So it's important to really sit in that gratitude and giving spirit. Mm, I love that you guys are like, not going to be able to see it if you're just listening, but she's going to make me cry over here because it's just, oh God, that was beautiful. Um, thank you so much for all the work that you're doing and for that very, very passionate, deeply rooted belief that you're operating out of, because I think it's incredibly important. Um, and you're right. Like they, they will, they will change the world. Absolutely. They, they do. They elevate most women do a great job of elevating others around them. And especially when they're coming from this, this spirit of gratitude and, and wanting to help and create change and, um, help heal, uh, along that line, I kind of want to dive just, just a little bit into something that I probably feel like we'll have to pick up with in another episode. If I can, if I can encourage you to come back again for another, another series, And that is a lot of women, including yourself, are in what I consider to be a helper profession. Um, And that's where they're coaching, they're teaching, maybe they're like full-time momming, whatever they're doing. And in a lot of these professions, we kind of, we really want to help. We really want to help. And that makes it very difficult sometimes to charge for services, to charge what we're worth for services, to like ask for more or look for other ways. Um, But shifting that mindset to what can I actually do if I have more to give and and understanding that money is a neutral energy that we can do things with if we have it, I feel like is really important. And that's almost the first thing I thought of when when you were talking about all of that. So for women in those helper professions, we, we aren't asking for a raise necessarily from a boss if we're an entrepreneur, but we are asking for a raise from ourselves. And I think that can be even possibly more challenging because that's ourselves battling with ourselves. Have you, have you come across that with your entrepreneurs that you've worked with and how do you help them through that part? Of course. And that speaks deep to my soul. I am probably a lot of your listeners are familiar with the Enneagram Mm-hmm. I took the free test three times and I paid for the test and all four times I was the type two, the helper. So it's not an accident that I'm in this profession because right. I feel like I do have the opportunity to lift others up and share my knowledge. But what I have also learned is that you're right. The more money you have, the more great things you're going to do. 
And people need to sit. They need to sit and do the work. And that's around journaling. That's around really lifting the limiting belief that they don't deserve to be paid for what they do. I've even realized for myself that I want to help everyone, but there's only so many hours in the day and you have to protect your time and your energy. And so you need to be paid a fair wage for your service. So I think it's important to recognize that when your schedule is full and when you're feeling maxed out, it's probably time to up level a little bit, raise your prices on incoming and recognize that you're offering a great value for your dollar and that you're changing the lives of people and you're sharing your gifts, not anyone else's gifts, your gifts. And when you're confident in the value that you offer, which is where a lot of it boils down to, then you're confident in the price that you're charging. So again, it goes back to really centering yourself, to really recognizing that what you have to give to the world is a beautiful gift and you deserve to be paid for that because that again, continues the flow, the ebb and the flow and the cycle of money and putting money in your hands allows you to put money in the hands of others and vice versa. So never feel guilty for charging your worth. Make sure you're adding the value and always, always, when you feel that you are in a place where you are struggling and your time is limited, it's probably time to up-level your prices narrow down a little bit and focus in on what you do best. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. I feel like that's really important for people to hear. It is really important. I love that you asked. Yes. Um, so, wow. Okay. Gosh, so many things guys between part A and part B. And I really want to have Amy back to talk, to talk about some more things that have been rambling around in my head. Now, since we started talking like, Ooh, ask about this and about this, because you're just fantastic to talk to so much Thank knowledge, you. so many resources. Um, and I know we kind of went over it briefly in the last episode and that, that portion, you do work with people virtually, thank God, um, because now everyone listening can work with you. Um, and obviously not everyone, everyone possibly, because like you said, you do have to protect your, your time, um, and your, your boundaries and what you can work with as well. But everyone should at least contact you for a consult, I believe, because you're absolutely fantastic. Thank so. you. They can find you on social media and also at your website, which I will attach all of that in the show notes. Um, and your favorite way for people to contact you is by email for a consult. Is that right? Yeah. Email's great. Amy at ircwealth.com, but you can also slide into my DMs on Insta, Amy W. Getz Finance, um, Facebook or LinkedIn. I'm Amy Getz in all the places. Amy, yeah. Amy gets in all the places. <laughs> Amy gets it done. Yes. Amy gets it done. So fun. Oh, well, we have, um, we've kind of reached the end of this series. I can't wait to have you back. Absolutely you. phenomenal. Just beautiful soul, just beaming with so much love and so much passion and for not only your profession, but for women. And I just absolutely love it so much. So thank you so much for spending this time with us and with my pleasure. Thank you. Uh, are there any final thoughts or like action steps or anything that you'd like to leave with our listeners? You've already left an abundance of things for people to work on, but any kind of final thoughts for our listeners? Yeah. I want everyone to end this episode and go automate some sort of savings. I want everyone to go and set up a savings account and transfer at least $25 into it. Or if you have the opportunity to have a 401k at your company, go invest up until the, the minimum match. Pay yourself first. Put yourself as a priority. Take 
and do one action step from this call, this podcast that allows you to change your financial future and starting somewhere is important. So that would be my one, but also to realize the magic and the joy is in you now. Stop seeking it from somewhere else and recognize that your best life is literally right now. Don't wait for it. Make it happen. And by investing in yourself, that's the first step. Ah, you guys, all the tinglies again. It's just fantastic. So, and in case you guys are wondering, um, we have had one other episode with someone that was a financial advisor, and I feel like their belief systems align really well with each other because you might still be sitting here wondering, hey, all this information is super great, um, very helpful, very tangible, very actionable. But what is this doing on a wellness podcast? And it is because <laughs> your finances are part of your health and your financial health is part of your health and also your health in regards of fitness and investing yourself with nutrition, with self-care, with fitness, any of these other aspects. A lot of people, I don't have time for that. I don't have money for that. So if you want to take better care of yourself overall, it's still connected back to financial health. And so when she says that wealthy women change the world, that includes health is also wealth. So it's all together. If you are stressed about finances, you're not going to be healthy other places. You're probably losing sleep. Your cortisol is elevated. So whenever we think about integrative wellness, holistic wellness, finances play a crucial role in developing financial health for your overall health as well. And I don't know if you have anything that you want to add to that, because I know you have your own personal health story as well with that, but that is, that is, I just want to make sure I throw that in there. We didn't really go over it too much because we had so many other great topics to cover. But if you guys were wondering, that is why financial health is incredibly important to your overall health and your happiness and your life. And I love that she represents that so beautifully with her message and the work that she does. So Amy, absolutely phenomenal talking to you. Thank you so much for taking this time. I cannot wait to have you back. Um, and I will look forward to putting all of these things in the show notes so people can find you. And um, hopefully you'll get some, some really great consults soon and people will start taking those first steps and changing their own lives and investing in themselves. I know it. I know they will. We, we put the energy out there. <laughs> Go forth and do great things. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. So great. So, all right, you guys, we'll see you next time on What in the Wellness. As always, light and love on your wellness journey. And I look forward to hearing your experiences with Amy after you guys go and chat with her and we will see you next time. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening today. If you're interested in being a sponsor or a patron of this podcast to help us develop more resources and get more exciting things out into the world about the global perspective on integrative wellness and health, please feel free to reach out via email or message. And I look forward to seeing you and the new subscribers that you're going to bring uh, to the podcast as we go along on this journey. Thank you so much for being here and I wish you all the best and light and love as you continue throughout your day today.